NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darren Woods. And I'm Paddy Hirsch. Tensions in the Middle East continue to ratchet higher. As the conflict in Israel and Gaza rages, other regional and international actors are beginning to get involved. The militant group Hezbollah has fired missiles into Israel from Lebanon, while Houthi rebels from Yemen have attacked ships in the Red Sea in solidarity with Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. Those attacks in turn have provoked a military response, including strikes on the mainland of Yemen from both the US and the UK. And this week, Iran launched a ballistic missile strike into northern Iraq, saying it was aimed at Israelis, who it claims were involved in a suicide bombing in Iran recently. All of this activity is making a lot of people worry about escalation, an increase in tension and hostilities that could end up encompassing the entire region. So on today's show, we'll consider what escalation could mean for the region's most important export, oil, and what shortages could mean for the global economy. That's coming up after the break. Support for NPR and the following message come from Fisher Investments. SVP Judy Abrams shares how their fiduciary duty comes to life while helping clients plan for retirement. As a fiduciary, we must make decisions in our clients' best interest. So we work with them in consultation to be on a glide path so when they want the option to retire, that portfolio is still going to keep working for them at this stage of life. Learn more at FisherInvestments.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics with vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. To most Middle East watchers, escalation of conflict there takes the form of three distinct stages. There's the opening scenario, where conflict is confined to Israel and the Palestinian territories. Then the proxy war, which spills into neighboring countries like Lebanon and Syria and involves strikes by militant groups. And finally, the third stage, a direct war involving direct military exchanges between Israel and regional rivals. Rachel Ziembe is an economist at the Center for a New American Security. She says we're already well into the second phase of escalation. Escalation to me means more countries getting involved, which of course has already been happening. These are conflicts that involve not only countries, but also non-state actors. I'm thinking about Hezbollah in Lebanon, obviously the Houthis. Rachel says she's deeply concerned about the loss of life in this conflict. But as an economist worried about the domino effect that the conflict could have on the global economy, she's particularly focused on one big factor, which is the price of fossil fuels. The biggest economic risk to the global economy manifests around potential losses and disruptions of oil and gas trading volumes. Israel doesn't produce much oil, but the Middle East at large is a huge producer, of course. And the concern is that if the conflict there continues to escalate, it could strangle the output of oil and gas by some of the world's biggest producers, the Gulf states. That could be like toppling an enormous domino in the global economy. It would affect Americans for sure as prices would rise. 
But the greatest pain would be likely felt in less well-off parts of the world as food prices begin to rise too. David Rees is an emerging markets economist at Schroeder's. Oil prices, energy prices obviously feed through to other commodities. It's a major input into the production cost of food. And if you look over time, there's a very close correlation between movements in energy prices and food prices. Food insecurity is already high in many developing countries, in part due to the war in Ukraine. If food prices begin to rise even further, it would be like a second domino falling, potentially leading to a sharp increase in food insecurity. And that can lead to a host of other ills, sickness, starvation and political instability, a potential third domino that could wreak havoc on regional and even global security. The other factor that could affect both food security and the price of oil is what's happening in the Red Sea. As I've reported in previous shows, attacks on ships by Houthi rebels is changing the way that many shipping companies operate. Many ships are now taking a longer journey around the Cape of Good Hope, around South Africa. And this is most meaningfully impacting goods that are coming from Asia, especially China, to Europe. So it adds more than a week and a lot more energy to get those goods. And a lot more money. The cost of getting a 40-foot container from Shanghai to Rotterdam has jumped 115% since December. Oil shipments by sea, which have increased recently due to the war in Ukraine, are under similar pressure. A lot more of Russia's oil is, and natural gas is going on ships. It's not going through pipelines. It's going longer journeys. And this, of course, makes it more vulnerable to disruptions. The sight of rebels disrupting shipping in the Red Sea has many analysts fretting about a similar scenario just 1,500 miles to the northeast. The big risk that I would be worrying about and many people worry about is the viability of the Strait of Hormuz, which is the sort of exit point from the, from the Gulf. One-fifth of the world's oil passes from the Persian Gulf through the Strait of Hormuz. And the next step in any escalation, a fourth domino if you like, could be a similar shipping blockade by the country that lies to the north of the strait, Iran. Iran is aligned with both Hezbollah and the Houthi rebels. It's also a key supporter of Hamas. And as such, it's the one player that everybody is watching right now as they think about escalation in the region. Does Iran get more involved, both in the conflict, but also in the political and economic policy response to the conflict. Iran produces about 4% of the world's crude oil, although accurate figures on its output are actually pretty hard to come by. Losing that supply wouldn't make that much difference to oil prices. But if the situation escalates to a hot war between Iran and Israel, that's a fifth domino in the chain that could pull other oil producers into the conflict. If they cut or stopped output, Rachel says, that would definitely drive prices higher. What you need then is you need not only Iran to be involved in its production offline, but I think something would have to happen whereby Saudi Arabia couldn't or wouldn't replace or where some of their output was threatened. Now, this is the real nightmare scenario that economists have when it comes to escalation. And it's one that David Reese and his team at Schroeder's modeled recently. And when we did our scenario, the most immediate shock to the world economy came through a big increase in oil prices to over $100, $100, $120 a barrel, something like that, which would immediately push up energy-related inflation. Another report from Bloomberg Economics estimated that in a similar scenario, global growth would drop to 1.7% and trigger a recession that would take about a trillion dollars off world output. That was based on the expectation that oil prices would go up to $150 a barrel. 
David's fear is that all of these dominoes tumbling together could tip us into a version of stagflation. I mean, maybe employment would stay high, but you'd have stagnant growth and high inflation. Yeah, and this is a fear that a lot of people over a certain age have when we contemplate the prospect of turmoil in the Middle East driving oil prices higher. In October 1973, Arab members of OPEC proclaimed an oil embargo in response to, as they put it, the U.S. decision to resupply the Israeli military during the Yom Kippur War. Prices soared. They quadrupled, in fact. Americans suffered long lines at gas stations, and the U.S. economy entered a two-year recession. Today, though, stagflation doesn't seem to be on the cards. Obviously, you've got pretty tense situation in the Middle East, and you've got disruption to the shipping routes through the Suez Canal. But the missing piece at the moment is that oil prices basically just haven't budged. Well, they've, they've gone up a wee bit recently. They're still only around $80 a barrel, though. David says that some of this has to do with expectations for a global economic slowdown, which is stifling demand for oil. And Rachel says that on the supply side, output volumes are helping as well. Those impacts have been dampened by the fact that there's been increased volumes coming out of the U.S. and other producers in the Americas. Both David and Rachel agree that the danger to the economy is real if the situation in the Middle East deteriorates further and if escalation continues past that second stage. But that's if Iran gets involved and if the Gulf states start restricting their supplies of fossil fuels. That's a lot of ifs, a lot of dominoes to fall. And for now, even with tensions high, all of those dominoes appear to be holding fast. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sarah Juarez. Kaken Cannon edits the show, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR.